Welcome into College Gridiron. I'm Ryan Gregware, joined with Daniel, Danny Scott. Um, you know, we have a lot to talk about here. Big week of college football, Danny. Some huge games. A few upsets we'll touch into, but really, it's just, it was a really good slate. I think probably the best of the year in terms of the seeding. Now, the games really didn't live up to the hype, but overall going in, we felt really good about it. But before we get into all that, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. How, I mean... What a week of college football. Nine top 25 teams lost. An additional five of those top 25 teams only won by one score. It was an absurd week of college football. I cannot wait to get into it. And glad you're back here with me. Oh, yeah. I'm fired up to be here with you today. Um, yeah, so we could just go right into it. You know, I know you're a Notre Dame fan. And so I want to get this out of the way early, Danny, because you're my friend. I care about you. I don't want you feeling sad all podcast, so we'll kind of get into that first. Notre Dame first Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati's first ever top 10 matchup, and they lived up to the hype. Um, you know, they beat Notre Dame 24-13. Um, they really contained Kyron Williams. The defense outstanding, 17-0 at half, and that was kind of enough to just carry it on. Desmond Ritter with a really just solid game. You know, nothing too crazy, 59% of his passes, but he didn't turn the ball over. He did his thing. And Cincinnati now, I think there's a bigger picture question with them because this was a signature resume win. But before we kind of get into that side, I'll go to you on the Notre Dame side. What did you see this past Saturday from Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just a classic Notre Dame where this team is overhyped. They're a blue chip school. Everyone wants them to be good. They kind of handled business last week, but they just can't get it done this week. Um, it's been a theme all year. We've said Notre Dame is a fraud team. I, I had the false hope that Notre Dame was going to be able to make some stuff happen this year and sneak their way into the playoffs. Obviously I was wrong. And I, I knew that internally, I didn't want to say it out loud because I always want to have hope, but yeah, Notre Dame just uh, couldn't get it done. And I think Cincinnati goes out and makes a big statement win. this is their statement win. their schedule gets a lot easier from here on out. This was by far their biggest game. If they went out their playoff team, yeah, and we saw it last year. They really did everything they could to make the playoff. And with the COVID year and with Ohio State not having the games and everything like that, it really looked like with all those different factors, this was the year to get the non-Power 5 school in, and they didn't. And then they gave Georgia, you know, 60 minutes of hell in, the, uh, in their bowl game. I forget which one it was. But for this year, to go out to schedule this game to win it, it showed everything. Cincinnati's aggressive. You know, we'll, we see they'll be joining the Big 12. I can't wait for that. You talked about the schedule. It gets a lot easier. You only have one more ranked game on your schedule. It's SMU. It's the second to last week of the year. And they're ranked 24 right now. Frankly, you're a better football school. You know, that's not a power five superpower, anything like that. So Cincinnati, you want to say they're in the driver's seat. They move up from seven to five and three and four. We'll get into that later on because they play this week. So one of them is going to, you know, just by the schedule, going to knock down. So Cincinnati, I think, kind of controls their own destiny, which I'm all for. Because one of the reasons that I'm really not in on this playoff format with the four teams is because it's impossible to get these schools in there. And Cincinnati, I really felt strongly last year deserved the shot. This year, 100%, I'm all in on them. So we're going to see here. Obviously, they have to take care of business. We saw last year they got they played wire to wire with, I think, Tulsa, one of the last weeks of the year. So something can certainly happen. But they are in the driver's seat. You know, They have one prize, and you give them a ton of credit for going out and scheduling this game at Notre Dame. Uh, absolutely. I, uh, I completely agree. Uh, Cincinnati definitely controls their own destiny. It's going to be, I think it's going to be tough for them not to get in, honestly. 
and unless they lose one of these games and with the way this college football season is going it's very easy for them to lose a game uh we've seen a lot of big names go down i mean texas a&m was ranked fifth last week uh they lose two games in a row and i'm not even sure if they're ranked anymore and they were the team that beat cincinnati in the bowl game last year and that's why everyone thought cincinnati wasn't as actually actually wasn't as good as they thought so i like cincinnati this year sucks they beat my irish it's very painful for an Irish fan to say, but uh, I think I think Cincinnati probably deserved to win that football game. They were the better football team, and I think we'll see them in the playoffs. Yeah, um, you know, just before we get to the next game, talk about Notre Dame now because we'd seen earlier this year they really struggled versus Florida State. They really struggled versus Toledo. Got fortunate to even win that game. You know, that win at Wisconsin, I know it was really close for three quarters. They blow them out late. 41-13, that's probably the best you're feeling in Notre Dame at any point this season, um, I would say. I don't know about you. And so going into this one, I know you with the confidence. You know, you texted me how you love Notre Dame. They don't lose at home. First loss since, what is it, 2017 at home? 2017. This is their first loss since 2017 at home. They, yeah. they were, it, I believe it was the first time a top 10 team has been a road dog or a home dog. And uh Cincinnati proved why they should have been a road dog or a home, a home dog. And they take care of business. Uh, Notre Dame still, I think they're a good football team. I still think they're deserving of a new year's six bowl. Um, the, their schedule gets a lot easier. I mean, obviously you got USC coming up in a couple of weeks, a game I will be at, which Ooh. I cannot wait to be at that game. Um, that's always a good game, but there's a couple of potential like trap games. Like they play at Stanford and we'll talk about what Stanford did this week in a few minutes. Stanford is a dream crushing school. They crush everyone's dreams. UNC is always a good game against Notre Dame. So their schedule does get easier, but also you got the rivalries coming up. You got Virginia tech this week. That's always a good game between Notre Dame and Virginia tech. You got USC in two weeks, one of the top premier rivalries in college football then UNC Navy is always a good one. Then they go to Virginia, then versus Georgia Tech, and then wrap up the season at Stanford. I don't see this team losing more than one of these games. I still think they're a top 15, top 10 team in the nation. Yes, they, they do get beat by Cincinnati, but I think a lot of people expected it to be a much bigger loss than what they did. So even though they lost, they did prove something to me that they're still a formidable opponent this year. Yeah, no, I think, you know, Notre Dame, uh, you're, if it was a blowout, I think you could be completely out on, but they, they did battle a little bit here. And so, you know, you wonder right now, I believe they are still in the top 15. They're 14. As you said, you think they're top 15. I completely agree. I don't think they're as talented as last year. That offensive line's a little young. So it's kind of a building year, I guess. Kyron Williams, too, really weird how he struggled. 3.8 yards of carry. I think I had him in my top five going to the season running backs. He was really special last year, but – you know, nevertheless, that, that's what Cincinnati's defense will do to you. It is 100% a real defense. It does not matter the conference they play in. Let's move along here. Um, you know, a few other games you previewed last week when you were on the show. I was not. But one that had a lot more hype than in the game was Alabama versus Ole Miss. And this is one where I think the Heisman, it wasn't won, but it was lost. I think if Matt Coral goes out and he balls out, if he's able to beat Bama, that's his Johnny Manziel signature win. That's what gets him the Heisman. I think he was the second odds on favor before, but he's not able to do so. You know, their offense really struggled. You got Bama a ton of credit on defense, only 290 yards given up. And that's with two garbage time touchdowns that kind of made this 
look a lot prettier than it was 42 21. That's not even a pretty score to start with. You know, they doubled their points, but that's how dominant Bama is. Bryce Young, another great game, 240 yards, two touchdowns. That's all you're going to need. Brian Robinson, the MVP in this one, 171 yards, four touchdowns. This is just another example, Danny, that Bama, it doesn't matter who they have. You know, we've said it a few times this year when they beat the brakes off Miami. It doesn't matter all the new pieces on offense. This team is still a wagon. This is still the best team in the country in my eyes. And Ole Miss had a chance to prove something, and they really didn't. And Bama just kind of showed they are the class in the SEC. We mentioned last week that if, if Matt Corral can go in, take care of Alabama, he's winning the Heisman. It's, yeah. it's, it would have been no doubt in my mind. So I agree with you saying that I don't think a Heisman was won this week, but I think a Heisman was lost. Alabama is just so good. They're, they're head and shoulders the best team in college football. I think Georgia has an argument. I mean, after what we saw them against Arkansas this week, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. But Alabama, they just recruit so well, and Nick Saban is such a good coach. They have so much star power all the time. They're so good at football, and I cannot reiterate that enough. They're the best team in the country. They're going to do what they do, and they're going to keep winning games. And I would be foolish to not think that they're going to uh, not win the national championship this year. I mean, that's wow. <laughs> Foolish that I, I do have them as my national champion. I had it before the year, but I think we'll get into this in a few minutes. It's a clear one, two, and then a drop off. You know, you look at Bama, you look at a few weeks ago, I was on it after they escaped versus Florida. You know, they really got dominated in the trenches in that one. They got a two point stop conversion near the end of the regulation to kind of seal that one. And some people, they probably backed off on Bama. You know, you're worried about that. Florida also replaced a ton of pieces from their great team last year, but it's one blip. We saw it actually last year versus Ole Miss. You know, they got in that shootout. It was the one game where they were challenged. They weren't challenged in the playoff. They weren't challenged in the national championship the way they were last year. I think that's why a lot of people look to this game versus Ole Miss as one that could possibly be a challenge. But, you know, the Heisman was lost. I think that's fair to say. It's almost impossible for for out to get back into that conversation and you just tip your cap to Bama. I don't think there's much more we can say. Like there's no real takes we can have that are out of the box. We know how good they are. They prove it time and time again, uh, their schedule, not that it even matters. I think the sec championship is the next game on the schedule. You look at, they play A&M this week who, you know, you brought this up earlier. They are now unranked. So that's an easy one. Then Mississippi state who, you know, just beat them, whatever. It's not really anything much. You have Arkansas who we'll get into now and then Auburn. So this Alabama team, they're going to go into the SEC championship undefeated. Maybe they slip up there, whatever they are going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be, unless something crazy happens, the number one team in college football. And let's move on to that number two. Um, we've talked about it a little, how I think it's a clear one, two, and then it's like, a huge step back. I don't think we had that last year. I think I know that Ohio State handled Clemson, but I don't think it was as, you know, dominant. Like these SEC schools, these Georgia and Alabama, I don't think anyone's in their realm. Um, they beat Arkansas 37 nothing. I don't know what you guys talked about last time. I'm sure you previewed this one. I don't think anyone saw this coming. The domination, though, how good Arkansas looked. Um, you know, you go into this. No JT Daniels, you know, Stetson Bennett really costed them a playoff spot last year. And he only threw for 72 yards in this one. I think that is what is scary because with JT Daniels back, that opens up the passing game. And you didn't have that as an element in this one. You're still able to win 37, nothing. Zamir White had two rushing touchdowns. They had 270 plus rushing yards, but the defense for Georgia is exactly what we need to be talking about. It just suffocated Arkansas 
They had 10 total first downs. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't do anything. And Georgia, obviously, it wasn't really a big conversation, but now it's no conversation at all. They are a top two team in the country, no questions asked. One thing we talked about last week, Sam asked me, what do I realistically think is going to happen? And I said, realistically, I think Georgia is going to steamroll them. And just like I thought, I thought potentially, you know, maybe there's a chance that Arkansas can come out and pull something out. Georgia's too good. They're, they're Alabama junior this year. We're going to see Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship. I'll, I'll put my life on that right now. I'll double then, your on that. <laughs> and then if somehow Georgia can be ranked third going into the playoffs, we'll see them in the national championship. I, I like Iowa. I think Iowa's good. I do not think they are as good as Georgia or Alabama. Those are the clear one, two teams in the country. One of them is going to win the national championship. I would bet my life on it. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with you. I think you calling though, Georgia Alabama junior might be a little disrespectful because that's how good this team is. You know, I, I do like Alabama, but Georgia is going to give them a game. That defense is too good. As long as JT Daniels is hundred percent healthy I think the offense could do enough to where that defense can ride you. But I mean, how dominant they were, it's not that they just like beat Arkansas. They weren't in the same class. This is an Arkansas team that came into this, the eighth ranked team in the country. This isn't a bottom 25. This is an SEC school ranked eighth in the country. So that like, that's a real test. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even a test, you know, 75 rushing yards on 29 carries, 87 passing yards. They just couldn't do anything. And it's clear one, two. I think even if, and this is looking big picture, but I think we're at the point in the season we know these teams are, they're going to be facing in the SEC championship, Danny. I think even if Georgia were to lose that game, which they would be underdogs, probably three to five point underdogs. If they were to lose that game, they've done enough in my eyes to be in the college football playoff, regardless, without winning the SEC with the one loss, because frankly, I don't think any other team in the country really has done enough to prove that they are better than Georgia. And I think the Cincinnati thing could be really interesting. I would not be surprised. And this is crazy. I could see Cincinnati being the number two ranked team at the end of the year, but I would still think Georgia is class ahead of them. It's just, I don't know what they'll value more an undefeated Cincinnati or a one loss non-conference champion, but this is conversations we don't need to be having now. The one thing we do know, and I guess I'll go back to you one last time, Alabama, Georgia, can you see any other team maybe, the game we're about to preview where they could give any of these teams, probably not Bama, but Georgia even a run for their money. I, I do see a world where Iowa with, they have such a suffocating defense as well, where they could potentially stop one of these guys. This was a stat I wanted to mention later, but I'll mention it right now. Since 2018, they have not allowed a team to score more than 24 points, 24 or less points since 2018. That defense is so good. They have great coordinators. They have a great quarterback this year. I see a world where Iowa potentially can stop one of them or at least make it a really good game, a one-score game. But I do agree with you. It's, it's 1A and 1B with Iowa and Georgia. Take your pick. I like Alabama – or not Iowa. Yeah, yeah. And Georgia. Alabama and Georgia. I like Alabama just because they've proven it to me time and time and time and time and time again that they're the best team in the country and they seem like they are every single year. So it, it's really a coin flip with most, most people how they would think, but I do think that Alabama has the slight edge in my opinion, but I do envision something where I could see Iowa being a rival to those two. 
Yeah, and, and let's get into some other games from this week. And one of the reasons we're so adamant about this one-two and then clear drop-off is what we saw. But before we get into that, really quick, uh, Florida, number 10. They lose to Kentucky 20-13. Kentucky storms the field. Cool stuff. Florida, you know, after that kind of good loss, I'd say, to Bama, that's a really bad – I know Kentucky's not ranked, but that's one that doesn't look great. And then Texas A&M, back-to-back losses. This one to Mississippi State completely falls – out of the top 25, but the big one that let's talk about briefly here, because I want to preview some of the big games. Number three, Oregon. Now, a few weeks ago, they beat Ohio state. And at that point at Ohio state, you control your own destiny. This PAC 12 is down too. So this was not, there was not any gauntlets on Oregon's schedule. They really had a chance to capitalize here. But the one thing I kept saying is the way that PAC 12 works, you just get caught in it. Sometimes you get caught in the tornado, caught in the whirlwind. That's exactly what happened. They fall to Stanford in OT, 31 to 24. This really crushes their chances. You know, maybe they could sneak their way. They can backdoor it. But this is one you had to win, and you had to win all of them, right? That's college football. But after that Ohio State win, that this one really hurts. So what did you kind of see, Danny, from Oregon falling to Stanford on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, Oregon, Oregon's still a good football team. Um, I believe they, they didn't drop a whole lot. They went to number eight, so they go. They do go down five spots, but I think they're still, if there is a Pac-12 team that has the potential to sneak into the playoffs this year, it's still Oregon. Definitely. I could see this, this being the first time a non-Power 5 conference gets in with Cincinnati. Oregon is still a good football team. Losing C.J. Verdell, who, was, who came into the season as their number two running back, he's done for the season. They still got a good defense with Thibodeau. He's going to be a top five draft pick this year, if not the number one pick. And I think Mario Cristobal is a good coach. I like his offensive style. He's kind of similar to the Chip Kelly. Let's, let's get out there and let's run it down people's throats. But we'll see how they bounce back after this, if they can get another running back up and running and get the offense back on track. Other than that, I mean – the Pac-12, they're like I said with with Stanford, they're dream crushers. They they've crushed Notre Dame's dreams so many times I can't even count. Oregon, we'll see what they can do for the rest of the year. This is just it's such a wild college football season. I, I mean, it's it's insane. And looking at Oregon's schedule, I just pulled it up. It, it hurts them how weak it is. It really does. I think to get back into this mix, and you know, you can I think drop this game to Stanford if you had another game on your schedule where you can look at as a signature win winning at Ohio state signature win, but it all depends when in the season that happens. And that September 11th is going to be a long, long ways away from when the committee decides these four teams and what's going to be more recent that loss of Stanford and then seven straight games versus unranked teams, you know, Cal UCLA who looked really good, but they've kind of fallen off Colorado, Washington, Washington state, Utah, Oregon state. None of those are ranked. None of those look that formidable. So Oregon's going to really need to get some breaks the other way. They definitely don't control their own destiny now. And it's very unfortunate overall to see them, you know, if you're an Oregon fan, to, to really be highs after beating Ohio State, you really feel like you are in control of your own destiny. And to lose that destiny, and now you need a million things to go your way, it really hurts if you're an Oregon Ducks fan. The one saving grace, I think, is it was a very close game. It wasn't like they got blown out. They lose in overtime. You know, there's a three versus four matchup this week. They're going to jump up at least one spot this week so long as they win. Cincinnati is very good. I, I don't see them jumping up. 
I've mentioned time and time again with um, Oklahoma this year, I envisioned them just like how I envisioned Clemson. They're going to get caught, and I will talk about it. I think it's going to be this week. Um, but we, we shall see with Oregon. They're still a good football team. They do. This is a bad one. But I do think that that win over Ohio State kind of trumps this loss to Stanford. I'm not completely sold out on Oregon. I agree. That's hurt. But that win over Ohio State was massive. We'll see. That, that's really all I got. We'll see. Yeah, it's a waiting game because I could so, so easily see them just dropping another one of these games, like one that you don't see coming at UCLA. I don't know. I could. It really just seems like it's in the cards for Oregon. Um, but let's shift over to this week, and the slate is not as pretty as last week, Danny, but there's still a lot of good games. Before we get into the two, I think, huge ones, let's touch over a few. We've talked about these teams a lot so far, Arkansas – Versus Ole Miss, um, you know, number 13 versus number 17, both coming off bad losses to what we think are the best two teams in the country, what everyone should think are the best two teams in the country. For me, you know, these teams, you look at their outlook, future outlook, it's not much more than the third best in the SEC, but I'm willing to give whoever wins this game that nod. I'm willing, I'm going to say it, on, on this game, whoever wins it, I will be back in on. You know, I'm out on these teams right now completely. They didn't show me enough, but, you know, if Arkansas is able to take two of three, from A&M and then Ole Miss and Ole Miss is able to bounce back versus getting their doors blown off by Alabama to beat Arkansas. I get more back in on them. Um, I really have no feel for this game. I'm going to lean Ole Miss because they have the quarterback advantage. Um, and just, you know, they did look, I think a little bit better than Arkansas. I, it worries me when you literally get 10 first downs in an entire game. So I'll go Ole Miss 13 versus 17. I think it's the battle for the third best SEC team. Danny, what do you have in this one? I think it's Matt, Cor uh, Matt Corral versus Arkansas's run game. Can Arkansas's run game get back on track? Before last week, they were averaging 5.6 yards a carry. Sam Pittman was a former offensive line coach. He's going to get his guys back in check. He's going to establish the run game early. And then on the other side, can Matt Corral get back on track with his Heisman campaign? I don't think he's the Heisman. I don't think he's the Heisman anymore. But is it can he get back on track or can Arkansas's run game get back on track? I'm going to go against you. I, I think Arkansas is a better football team. They've proven that they can play against top opponents that aren't the second best or first best team in the country. I think Arkansas wins this, but I do think this is going to be a really good game. Yeah, um, I am actually really looking forward to see what happens because I, I don't feel great about either of these teams. I don't have reads for them after what they did, I think this is a perfect limits test to see where they kind of fall in the middle of the pack here. Uh, another one quickly, we'll touch on Georgia at Auburn. The one thing I'll say with JT Daniels still out, I think Georgia is a little susceptible to an upset here. Stetson Bennett only 72 passing yards last game out. I think I already said this, but I think his play at quarterback cost them a spot in the college football playoff last year. I think they definitely had a top four roster. It's just, they had those early losses uh, in the season and he's just such a limited passer. I'm really not in on him. So I could see a potential if the defense has an off day, your quarterback isn't dynamic and you can't throw the ball down the field, a potential for it, especially if they go down big early and have to claw back out of it. But I'm certainly not picking against them after all the praise we've spoken about them. So I, I expect them to easily win this one. The one thing I'll say is you do need JT Daniels back at some point because this SEC is tough. And while you are clearly better than them, even without him, you're more susceptible to losing with very limited quarterback play. I know the running game and the defense are dominant, but 
we can see if things have to go off script, I don't trust Spencer Bennett to make big throws. So I will take Georgia. I just will say back in my mind, if I was a Bulldogs fan, I'd really want JT Daniels. And I know I think they're being very cautious with him. They're keeping him out, making sure he's 100%. I'd be a little cautious here, but Georgia, no questions about it. I think they should beat Auburn. Couldn't agree with you more. The one thing I'll say is I'm not as concerned with Sensen Bennett as you are. I think he's a guy, he's going to be a game manager. He's going to hand the ball off. He's going to let his defense make plays for him. I don't see any issue with Georgia in this game. Once JT Daniels comes back, it just makes them that much better. But I think Stinson Bennett's a good game manager until you can get your star player back. So I, I'm going to say Georgia blows the doors off of Auburn this week. Yeah, I'm not in on Auburn at all. And one of the teams Auburn lost to, and let's get into that now. We have two games to preview. First one is number four, Penn State, at number three, Iowa. And what I love about this, it's refreshing for the Big Ten to see not Ohio State in the biggest game of the season because this is the biggest Big Ten football game of the season. Um, it's Iowa's biggest home game since 1985. It really is. This is huge. Iowa right now is two-and-a-half-point favorites, so it's really a toss-up with them getting the home game. Um, you know, you look at this one, there's some, there's some clear keys to the game and I'll go over what I think. I think Penn state needs to be smart with the football, this Iowa defense, they lead the FBS with takeaways. You need to give Jahan Dotson the ball. I think he's going to be the best receiver that Iowa goes up against all year debatably. And I don't know if I want to have this debate, but I think you could make a case for him being the best in college football. And you're going to need Sean Clifford. He's always been the question mark, you know, that's always the book, but this year he has really stepped it up 1300 yards, 11 touchdowns three picks you are going to need to have a quarterback advantage in this one, I think, because the defense, you don't really have an advantage there. So I think you'd be smart with the football. You have to win the turnover battle. That's where Iowa really gets you the cheap turnovers, flipping the field position because their offense isn't this absolute machine, but when you're the defense, is able to set them up, it certainly does the job. So I think looking at it from the Penn state side, that's what I'm looking at. Danny, what about you? Um, you know, we'll talk about this game a little bit more, but first of all, just an awesome game. I'm so fired up and, so, yeah, that's kind of what I think that Penn State needs to do if they want to win this football game. And I, I would tend to agree with you on there. I think these teams on paper are very evenly matched. It's, it's Penn yeah. State's offense versus Iowa's defense. Who's, who's going to win? I think really what it comes down to is who wins the turnover battle this week. I think whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win the game. Iowa obviously has a better chance at that, considering what you're saying with them being the best team in the nation and producing turnovers. And also Iowa special teams are so good. Like they're, they're incredibly good. They'll be able to pin Penn state deep and let their defense make plays for them. I personally like Iowa in this game. I think Iowa has the chance, especially with these tur the turnover battle. But like I said, it really comes down to turnovers. Who wins a turnover battle is who, gonna, is who is going to win this game this week. Yeah, an underrated matchup that, I mean, it's not underrated. It's just not as sexy. Uh, PJ Mustafer, the D-tackle for Penn State, you know, he's going to have to try to be able, the best center, I think, in college football is Tyler Linderbaum. He's going to have to win that matchup at the line of scrimmage. The trenches are so important in this one. And for Iowa, you look at it, um, where you're going to attack Penn State is that rushing defense. The passing defense is a lot stronger. So Iowa's going to be able to establish the run on offense. I think that's certainly what you're looking at. Also, I think, you know, the crowd in college football is such a thing. Feed off it. I mentioned this is your biggest game in 35. I'm not great at math. 45 years, whatever it is, you know, really, really feed into that. Really take off their energy. They're going to be fired up. You know, Spencer Petras, he's not really this most dynamic quarterback, but they grind it out on offense. That's what they've been doing all season. He only has one 
turnover on the year. So I look at this. I look, there's a, it's going to be a battle of the trenches. It's going to be Big Ten football. I wouldn't be surprised if this one is like 7-7 seven, seven at halftime and we're seeing the classic. Now this is the Big Ten, all those kind of tweets. But I, I do like Penn State in this one. Um, I guess I'll pick right now. I like them in a close one. It's just because I trust that offense to be a little bit more explosive. I think this is going to be back and forth, gritty field goals. I think the kicking game will obviously be crucial in this one. 22-21, I see Penn State winning this. But really, like, this is the hardest game I've had to pick all year. It's, the, I think, the closest best matchup. Because, yes, we had Clemson-Georgia. But, like, it, it, I know at the time we didn't really know how bad Clemson was. When you looked kind of into this more, um, I think, like, these are really two good teams. And Clemson is not that good. It was early in the season, whatever. And I think, you know, the, with the Big Ten, Ohio State's going to make a run again. You're gonna, Penn State's going to see them on the schedule. So I think you look at it from that perspective. This is these two teams matched up to solidify themselves as the best Big Ten team and kind of make a push for the playoff. But I'm going to take Penn State in this one, 22-21, back and forth, kind of low scoring. I think it would just hit the over, not 100% what that is. I think it's low 40s. But I do have Penn State in this one, Danny. Curious where you're going to go. I kind of showed my card earlier. I like yeah. Iowa in this one. I think their defense is too suffocating. And one thing that you said – that I loved is this is going to be big 10 football. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be gritty. I, I give Iowa the nod because they're at home against Penn state. If it was the other way around, I might take Penn state because home field advantage this year is so massive at Penn state, such a crazy environment. I don't think I could pick against Penn state, but being at home for Iowa, like I said, not over 24 points in three seasons that is huge. I think their defense is very good. They'll be able to stop the Penn State offense and feed off the crowd. I like Iowa in this one, probably by a touchdown. I would I would put it at probably 24-17, right in that range. 24-17, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw that Penn State, what that home crowd did for them versus Auburn. Those stops late in the game. Defense, absolutely critical there. So we're on opposite sides. Uh, we've been kind of, you know, back and forth here. And I think, you know, we've talked about this one over text. This last one we're going to preview. I think we are on opposite sides as well. The Red River Showdown, 100-plus years, great tradition in college football. It's great, too, because these teams are a little bit more evenly matched in the last few years. I know Texas always gets the preseason night. They fall off. They get upset a little bit. It happened earlier versus Arkansas. But the line is only three and a half, Oklahoma. A lot of people are on Texas in this one, and it does make a lot of sense. The Texas offense has kind of been what we expected Oklahoma to be. Um, I think they've definitely been the better offense, and that's something I definitely didn't see coming. Number one in the Big 12 in scoring, yards, running, passing, passing efficiency. You know, Casey Thompson has really been the answer for them. Uh, nine touchdowns, three picks. They're averaging 50 points in his three starts. And when you have Bijan Robinson, who is definitely a top three running back in college football, 6.2 yards a carry, 650 yards, seven touchdowns. It's great. It's a great way to set up your quarterback so the Texas offense is great. You know, they're coming off a really gritty win versus TCU. And this is a TCU team who you look at it, they lost SMU the week before. They're now ranked. TCU is a lot better than I think we're giving them credit for. And Texas is now three and seven in their last 10 versus TCU. So this is a matchup that always scares them. We saw last year, TCU won at Texas the year before. TCU won again. And this was at TCU. That's a great home environment. So that's a actually like a very good win for Texas. And uh, people might, you know, you know, put it aside just because that's not a ranked team. It's not an elite team, but that is, I think, a really good win. And you look at the Oklahoma side of things, Danny, they're playing with fire. All year, I think we've been looking at it. 
five-point win at Tulane, seven-point win, or not at Tulane, home versus Tulane. It was supposed to be at Tulane. Hurricane hit. You're, you're facing Tulane. They had the ball back with two minutes, chance to win the game, upset of the year. Then seven-point win in Nebraska. We saw Nebraska, um, you know, up close versus Fordham. They beat Fordham, but that's not a very impressive win. That's not a great Nebraska team. A three-point win over West Virginia, where you only had 16 points, 16-13. And then a six-point win over K-State. Now, the second half of that K-State game is where the offense kind of really started to break out. The running game had been a huge, huge issue for Oklahoma this year. You really saw they're missing Stevenson, who's now in the Patriots, his addition. But uh, Kennedy Brooks had 15 for 91 last week. You hope that's showing signs of life. This Texas rush D is not great, 4.6 yards a carry. And Spencer Rattler, he was a guy that probably was QB1 going this year, maybe him or Spencer Howell. Um, I think he was the Heisman favorite, though, if I don't if I'm mistaken, you know, you look at his stats, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, four picks. That looks fine, but five touchdowns came against that game versus, uh, you know, West Carolina. Like, that's a inflating stats game as it comes. Five touchdowns, four picks in the other games. He's been accurate. 70% of his, his passes completed, but that's certainly an issue. So you look at it from that perspective, you know, Texas has the better offense. Oklahoma can play up to that level. There's no question about it. Three and a half point favorites. You're cutting hairs here. We're at the Cotton Bowl. Um, I'll go to you first for your pick before I get into mine. Who do you see winning the Red River Showdown? I have said all year long, Oklahoma is going to slip and they're going to get caught. I think it is this week. It's a rivalry week. Texas loss to Arkansas does not look as bad as it did now anymore. So we know that that, that Arkansas lost. Yes, they lost by 19 points. Yes, that looked bad. But now we know that Arkansas is a very good football team. I think Texas is going to be the team that watches them slip and catches them. I'm out. I've been out on Oklahoma this year. I don't think they're as good as they have been in years past. I think Texas wins this one. And I, I, I honestly think they beat them by a couple scores. I, I could envision this one being like a 38, 24 type of game. I think Texas takes it to Oklahoma this week, the red river showdown, Texas comes out on top. You know what? I made that face uh, about that 38-24 pick because I have the same exact pick, but the other side. <laughs> I have Oklahoma 38-24 in this one. I just I look at that second half versus K-State. I really do think they found something. And what I look at is experience in this one. I think that is crucial. Spencer Rattler, a year plus under his belt. Lincoln Riley, too. He's been in these games before. Great record in these games. Casey Thompson and Steve Sarkeesian, you know, it's his first year at this. I do think that's going to play a factor. I think Oklahoma is more talented than Texas. At least they developed their players better. Um, and I, I just look at Texas. I agree with you what you said about Oklahoma. You know, number six, I don't think they're that good. I, I really don't think they're the number six team in the nation. But they haven't lost yet, and they were highly ranked going into the year. So you can't really put them down until they lose. You know, I talked about earlier how I think they are playing with fire. I just don't think that it gets lit here. I think this is one where there's a lot of focus. There's a lot of urgency. This isn't a kind of a look-ahead game that we maybe saw versus West Virginia. I think they will be in tune. I think Spencer Rattler will be better. I think he'll be accurate. I don't really, you know, turnovers. You hope he limits them. I think that's the name of the game. I could see Casey Thompson, too. He's got to be careful with the ball. Um, but I'm going to go with the experience. I'm going to go with Oklahoma, the team we expected before the year, to be better than Texas. Same score as you. Other way, I have 38-24 Oklahoma. Pokemon. Um, so I don't know the history of this podcast, if there have ever been more dissenting opinions 
Like we picked what? Any of the games the same? Uh, no, I think we were uh, 0-1-4 this week. Did we? I think did we preview three or four? Um, we might have took Georgia to, to steamroll Auburn. Too. Georgia, yeah, yeah. That was only one and three. One okay. and three, yeah. It's going to be interesting. So someone is coming out here a winner. Someone is coming out a winner. <laughs> and, and someone is definitely going to be <laughs> the loser. And I think this also, like, I think this speaks to how tight it is. Outside of one and two, which we talked about enough, it really is tight. There's a lot of wiggle room where you can see back and forth. And it just shows in our picks because, you know, you look at it on paper, 621, 3-4. Uh, like, those are really, in, the, in our eyes, kind of coin flips, really close ones. So I think that's a great thing for college football that you're not having these chalky picks and these huge 11-point favorites and everything like that. They're tight, and that's how it really should be. The parity is awesome. It's why – it's what we need more of in college football. Um, we've kind of talked about it enough here. I think, Danny, that's going to wrap it up for us here. This evening, this has been College Gridiron, a production of WFUB Sports.